you, Mark. Thank you, everyone. And uh, good morning. Great to see everybody here at Clark Street. Those online, welcome. My name's Joe Crummy, and I'm going to be speaking today. But first, I just wanted to give a couple of church updates. So I know as a province, we're kind of moving towards things changing possibly in the next few weeks or in the next month or two, and there's much excitement and lots of different questions. And I know lots of people have been asking great questions for us about some of the things here regarding our meetings and what we're doing as a church. So I just want to take like a minute or two and just give a couple of quick updates, and then we'll keep um, sharing these things as things get revealed. And so we've been planning, preparing, and trying to uh, think ahead. So here's just a couple of updates, and particularly to our Sunday morning meetings. And so first of all, we're seeking to have in place by September, the time school starts again, to have a dedicated nursery here on ground level, and then a dedicated space for preschool age kids upstairs with their own bathrooms and their own space, and for during the message time and to have people helping to serve there. So that's um, coming in the next month, which will help with some of our younger ones. We're still looking uh, for the next season for our K-5 to elementary to still be in with us for our meetings. We don't really have any other space and dedicated venue for that at this time, so we'd love for our K-5 to to continue to help participate with us here, and also, as we've done in the past year, you know, encourage them to be involved in our kids' club when it runs at different times throughout the year on our Saturday mornings. And so we're going to continue to plan on our stages of renovations, and so we still have lots of different things that we're looking um, to do, and we just really need God's wisdom in that. And so it may be obvious to some, but I'm going to say it anyways, that um, everything we do regarding renovations, there's a lot of variables involved. So there's things like trying to find contractors, and one of our main things is as soon as we change anything, building codes and bylaws, and would you believe it or not, you put up a wall here, it actually affects our parking variance out here, and there's just a lot of, let alone the finances of it. So I know many of you are just like, let's just put a wall up here and we can do this, which are all good ideas, but 99% of the time, it's just not that easy or we would have already done it. So we thank you for your patience on that, and it's trying to have the wisdom of Solomon to know how to do um, some of these things and the timing of it. So just to give you an update on that. And then the other thing is, I know I think some of you have just mentioned in passing that uh, sort of if there is a post-COVID, I think many people are maybe just assuming we're going back to one meeting on Sunday morning and just to say, we're not sure, okay? We might have to stay to two meetings. We're talking that through and there's a lot of pros and cons to both ways and certainly from an emotional point of view, having one meeting and being all together is very attractive and very inviting. Um, but we have some space issues, and that has to do with the nursery and preschool and that. But also just here, if we all meet together, everyone who's part of our church, kids, teens, everyone, we probably fill the room. And so we're just looking at our growth issues and how do we look at some of those things. So we're going to keep you updated, but I just didn't want that to be a shock if we go back to one meeting. I don't want it to be a shock if we stay at two meetings, and we're trying to work that through. And so whichever way we go, and we might do a trial. So we might say from September to November, we're going to do one meeting, or we might say we're going to continue to two, and we'll reevaluate because we have a lot of unknowns 
in that. But just thank you for your patience, understanding, and we as elders and directors have a meeting this Tuesday night to keep talking and praying through some of these things so you can be praying for us for our meeting Tuesday night. So there's just a couple of quick updates. I hope that helps you. And again, you're welcome to give your feedback and input into that. All right, our reading today, Acts 13, and we're going to continue on in our series in Acts, and we're going to be reading in a couple minutes here from verses 1 to 12, and we already started into Acts 13 two weeks ago, and we've been looking at how this church in Antioch is really a model church for us throughout the years, and we saw back in Acts 11 how this church was a real model in grace and leadership and giving, and we saw two weeks ago in the beginning of Uh, Acts 13, how this church was a model in worship, how they were worshiping God, seeking God, praying, fasting, teamwork, and they were ascending church. They were obedient to the Holy Spirit. And we saw how Barnabas and Paul were told to go as the Holy Spirit had set them apart to send them on mission. And we were looking at how that really applies to all of us as Christ's followers, that we're all called to go, no matter what age or what background or where we're at, we're all called to go and to make disciples, to make other followers of Jesus, to baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, as we identify with Christ's life and death and resurrection. We're to teach and obey Jesus' teachings. We're to go to all nations and Jesus saying, I am with you. What a great encouragement. And so we see in our church, we're to go local, our neighbors, our neighborhoods, our network of friends, and we're going to the nations. And that involves all of us, that all of us live somewhere. All of us move about and have connections with people no matter where we live or work or what school we're at. And we notice here locally how we have our friends Martin and Ann Tubasing, Southeast Asia, who have gone, who have been obedient to the Holy Spirit's leading, who are now seven, eight years into a different location following what how God has led them. And we prayed this past Sunday night for Kenyunga as he headed back this week to um, Burundi and he's still in, en route um, with a few interesting delays as always happens with Kenyunga. Um, but what a great thing to be able to pray and as he's going to Burundi to help serve and to be obedient. And then we're praying for Rebecca and Gemma who at different times are going to be leaving and And then we've got all the things here locally in all the things that we're involved in and looking at the fall and planning Kids Club and Ignite and Fuel and Alpha and just in everyday life. And so this is the context we want to read from Acts 13 and see how it applies to our life today. All right, so let's read that together. It says this, Now in the church at Antioch there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menaean, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. And while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. And the two of them, sent on their way by the Holy Spirit, went down to Seleucia and sailed there from there to Cyprus. And when they arrived at Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God in the Jewish synagogues. John was with them as their helper. They traveled through the whole island until they came to Paphos. There they met a Jewish sorcerer and false prophet named Bar-Jesus, who was an attendant of the proconsul Sergius Paulus. The proconsul, an intelligent man, sent for Barnabas and Saul because he wanted to hear the word of God. But Elymas, the sorcerer, for that is what his name means, opposed them and tried to turn the proconsul from the faith. Then Saul, who was also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked straight at Elymas and said, 
You are a child of the devil and an enemy of everything that is right. You are full of all kinds of deceit and trickery. Will you never stop perverting the right ways of the Lord? Now the hand of the Lord is against you. You are going to be blind for a time, not even able to see the light of the sun. And immediately mist and darkness came over him, and he groped about, seeking someone to lead him by the hand. And when the proconsul saw what had happened, he believed, for he was amazed at the teaching about the Lord. Wow. Have you ever been filled with the Holy Spirit and then you just like totally told somebody off? Have, has that ever happened to you? Because that's kind of just seems what just happened. So let's unpack that a little bit. All right, we're going to see as we go through, and we've already seen it, and we're going to see it over the next few chapters as well, that there's this pattern in the book of Acts and in the early church about the Holy Spirit leading and speaking, and followers of Jesus obeying and going to maybe new places or new people groups, and we see sometimes favor, and we see sort of fruitfulness in their ministry, and people responding to be followers of Jesus, and then what happens? There's opposition, like it happens almost every time, and here's another example, and opposition comes in all kinds of different forms, so it can come from sometimes people, there's demonic forces at work. Sometimes it's just life situations, like we just saw back at Acts 11, a famine occurs. Sometimes there's different persecution from the government and different needs come up. And we saw sometimes that it's just the busyness of life and growth and all kinds of different things. But there's this pattern of obedience to the Holy Spirit and then opposition comes in so many different forms. And I just want to briefly just take a look at three things this morning just to help us as we're obedient to the Holy Spirit, that we face opposition or we're going to face opposition. And one thing opposition does, it does this, it tests the call of God. So here we are. I mean, I love the beginning of Acts 13. Like that really gets me fired up. They're worshiping Jesus. They're gathered all together. They're fasting. They're praying. They're seeking God. The Holy Spirit speaks. Like how many times we're just like, God, would you, if you just spoke, I'd obey. And the Holy Spirit speaks, and it's kind of like, okay, it's not exactly maybe what I want it to hear, depending upon where you're at, Barnabas and Paul. Maybe I'd just like to hang out in Antioch. We're pretty comfortable here, and they're going to go, and you're kind of like, I'm not so sure I want Barnabas and Saul to go. Like, they're kind of our leaders, and kind of like, that's going to leave a big hole and a big void. But you're kind of like, okay, but we're, we can still be excited about this. And they're off to a good start. They go to Cyprus, and they start in the synagogues, and John Mark is with them, so they're working in team, and they're traveling through the whole island, and then they're the capital, and then you're thinking, like, we've got progress here. There's a government official who wants to meet with us to hear about God. Like, that's pretty exciting. And then immediately, opposition. A sorcerer opposes them and tries to turn the proconsul, the governor, from the faith. And they bump into opposition and trouble right away. There's confrontation, there's opposition. The call gets tested. Because if I were them, and sometimes when I'm looking in the book of Acts, and you kind of look like, sometimes you're like, did we really hear God? Because you think you hear God, and you step out, and then almost suddenly it seems like you hit a wall, or something comes up against you, and you, it's easy to question right away, am I, am, did I get it wrong? Did we get it wrong? Because there seems to be opposition. But most of the time, in God's word and in our life, we realize actually that is a funny way of actually having confirmation that we're doing the right thing. 
that we've actually been obedient to the Holy Spirit, that we're in the right place. Because the places and people that need to hear the good news of Jesus, there's going to be opposition that comes. And I can go through now 25 years of church life and ministry, and in different places, in different locations, with different people, with different initiatives as a church, we have seen over and over again us believing we've been obedient to the Holy Spirit, being led by the Holy Spirit, and then opposition comes. And it could be through people, it could be through systems, it can be all kinds of different things, but opposition comes and the call gets tested. Did we really hear from God? And we have to sort through. Now, I also say, in our life, there's been a few times when I would say that maybe we got it wrong and maybe we misunderstood or maybe the application of what we felt God was saying. And sometimes it's good to be humble and say, I think we got that one wrong. So that happens once in a while as well. But the second part, it shows this. We're in a spiritual battle. And those of you who know me, you always joke because you hear me say it so many times. Folks, we're in a battle. Like we really are. And maybe our Western worldview doesn't give much space for demonic forces and there's a real devil and satanic attack and all those different things. But folks, it's real. We're in a battle. And it's not just people. Because a lot of times people are influenced, whether they know it or not, by demonic powers. And that we, with our five senses, don't always sense or perceive or discern what's really going on. And so sometimes we get mad at people, but sometimes people are being played by a more powerful force going on behind. Here we have a sorcerer opposed to the faith, tried to turn others from the Christian faith. And Paul, man, what spiritual eyes and powerful discernment to say, you're a child of the devil, an enemy of everything that is right. You are full of all kinds of deceit and trickery. Will you never stop perverting the right ways of the Lord? Whew. Can I just say, you got to be pretty confident in your, your discernment <laughs> to be that bold. But Paul knew what was going on. And we read later in Ephesians 6, Paul says this to the believers in Ephesus. He says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Do you hear that? The devil has schemes. Paul says, for our struggle... It's not against flesh and blood. It's not just against people, but against the rulers and against the authorities and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Folks, if we can only see sometimes what's going on in a spiritual way, I think we'd be amazed. And it gets worked out through flesh and blood. We're in spiritual battles, whether we realize it or not. And there's spiritual battles, and we're going to see. We already saw back in Acts 8, we see it now, we're going to see it in Acts 19, that there is a powerful, there's power behind magic and the occult. There's real power that battles against. Now, God is stronger, but there's real power. We're not just, it's not fake, it's real power at work, which forces us in a good way to continue to worship and fast and pray. All those things that got us to hearing from God, we need to continue to do. And we're to put on God's, God's armor all the time. Now, I'm going to give you a brief example, and some of you are here this morning who are in this example, but I'm going to give you a real-life example, and this happened a couple years ago at our street-level drop-in Christmas 
dinner. And I can pick this one out because I did not do something that I should have done. So I'm going to use me as my own bad example. <laughs> every week, every week, we pray for the upcoming weekend. We pray for if Fuel's on Friday night, Kids Club, Ignite, Sunday morning, the prayer meeting, whatever's going on, we pray for everything that's going on. And I specifically remember this week, because we're in December, and you know what December's like, it gets busy. And I, I remember I made the conscious choice, don't do this. I made the conscious choice, I skipped praying for the weekend. And I knew the drop-in Christmas thing was on Friday, and I thought, it's Christmas. It's the drop-in. It's Christmas dinner. Like, how can you go wrong? <laughs> and I, I purposely, I remember skipping prayer, and I didn't pray for the weekend, because in my human way of thinking, I thought, this is an easy no-brainer. It's Christmas. We're serving turkey. Nothing can go wrong. Everything went wrong. And some of you are smiling. I see through your masks that because you were there. And the enemy, I believe, worked through people. And we had a lady cause quite a scene and disturbance. And you would never have to think you'd have to call the police during a Christmas dinner. But we had to get the police involved. And it was just one thing after another. I can't even give you all the details, but it was chaos all night. And inside, all night, I'm going, I didn't pray. I didn't pray. I regret not praying. I just assumed this would be easy. I didn't pray. But we're in a battle. Because Jesus was being proclaimed Food was being served in Jesus' name. Relationships were being built. And there was opposition, like demonstrative opposition that even though I'm slow to clue in, even I clued in after a while, there are demonic powers behind what's going on. And I remember that night, lesson learned. Because <laughs> we're in a battle and when we're obedient and we step out and we follow the Holy Spirit, folks, there are demonic forces against us that sometimes aren't as obvious to see, but they're real. And sometimes you get a glimpse and some things are actually, and you go like, you think I would have learned my lesson, but I got to learn it sometimes again and again. And I can give you all kinds of other examples which leads to this, our third one. I didn't quite know how to say it, but I'll just say this, personal decisions. Saul, who from now on in the book of Acts is called Paul because he's primarily to the Greek audience now, which so he's using his Greek name, has discernment and authority to know the heart. And Paul's looking at the heart, and he reacts sharply, declaring God's judgment on the sorcerer in the form of temporary blindness. And you can think, Man, Paul was being harsh. Like, where's the mercy in that? Who else in the last couple of chapters was against God and went blind for a little while? Does anyone remember who that was? Paul himself. What a coincidence, exactly. So here you have you going like, Paul, why are you being so harsh? 
Paul himself went three days blind when he opposed Jesus. And so I wonder, in a merciful way, if Paul's going like, hey, it worked for me. Like, it was merciful for Paul to go, I went without any food or water for three days because I had to wrestle through what Jesus is saying. And I wonder if in mercy, we don't know the end of the story, but the blindness and judgment was actually a merciful thing. And maybe nothing else would get this guy's attention. We're not sure, but we do know this. The result is the governor of the proconsul believed the gospel. Luke says that he was amazed at the teaching about the Lord. And we realize it's not just the sort of theolo- the theology of it, but it was the power in which truth was conveyed and confirmed. Now, I think it's interesting. This goes back to Acts 12 and what Mark preached on last week. Is I think there's quite a contrast between the Roman governor, Sergius Paulus, and Herod from last week. Do you remember Herod from last week? Herod was proud, arrogant. He was selfish, and he didn't give God glory. And he was brought down. And here you have someone else with an opposite thing. And I think this is the lesson I believe God just kind of brought to me this week. Is we have the governor was hungry, seeking God, he believed. And this is how, maybe it's just me, but last week when Mark was talking about Herod, there was a little bit of, a little bit of me, it was just like, those politicians. <laughs> Arrogant, proud, never believe God. And I could feel in my own heart, I'm just making a blanket statement. That I'm just like, rich, powerful, they're all the same. You know, they don't believe Jesus. And then this week, well, I guess I'm wrong again. And we can do that, I think, sometimes, can't we? We can kind of look at a, maybe a people group or a section of society, and we can see maybe someone who from that demographic is against God, and we can kind of just make a judgment and just kind of say, ah, all those people, and they'll never believe Jesus. And here we have, like a few verses later, a Roman government official seeking to want to hear the word of God, and he believes. And so I just think for myself and maybe for all of us, God can save anyone. God can reveal himself to anyone. God can draw anyone. And let's not cancel out any people group or part of society that we might think, ah, they're arrogant, they're opposed to God. They'll, you know, we kind of just, ah, we don't know. We don't know who God's going to draw. We don't know who God's working in. And maybe for some of you here this morning or even watching online, maybe you've disqualified yourself. <laughs> maybe you think, oh, I'll never follow Jesus. Jesus might be drawing and revealing himself to you. All right, just in closing, we see this pattern emerging in Acts. When a new work of God goes ahead, God calls, people are obedient to the leading of the Holy Spirit. Pretty much every time, where there's obedience, there's opposition. There's difficulty, there's problems, there's confrontation. And the call gets tested. And that can be a good thing. It's good sometimes for the call to be tested. Did I really hear from God? 
And as we sort that through, guess what we keep doing? The thing that got us to the call, we keep doing. So they were seeking and worshiping God. They were together. They were fasting. They were praying. And the Holy Spirit spoke. Can I just encourage us? Let's keep worshiping God. Let's keep fasting and praying and seeking God. And what got us to God calling us is going to sustain us as we're obedient to God. We're in a spiritual battle. We don't always see what's going on. But folks, we're in a battle every day. And we don't always understand the people we meet and their reactions and different things that are going on. We gotta just have some awareness and discernment to go, hmm, I think something's going on here. And we might not always be as bold as Paul to do what he did. But we can have an awareness that sometimes, you know what? We're not going to get into arguments sometimes with people. We're not going to, that's not going to help because it's a spiritual thing going on. We shared this with Rebecca and Gemma and Kenyunga last night, just a reminding about Matthew 6 when Jesus was teaching. And he gave three different things about in secret. He says, do your giving in secret, pray in secret, fast in secret. And he says, do not worry and seek first the kingdom of God. Folks, in our spiritual battle, let's continue to give and pray and fast and seek first God's kingdom. And then it leads to some personal decisions. And that might be you this morning. You might have some decisions to make about Jesus. And you might know Jesus is getting your attention. What are you going to do about that? And we have to be open that God can work and save anyone. And we might need to change our attitude and our view on some different things. What's our to-dos? This is your homework from two weeks ago. I won't, I'm tempted to quiz you on it. So one of our homework from two weeks ago was this, that you would fast maybe a meal or a show on Netflix or something and use that time instead to spend time with God. You get the same homework this week. So if you missed it two weeks ago, guess what? You've got a second chance. If you passed, you get to do it, take the test again. Can you look at fasting a meal or fasting whatever, Instagram for an hour, something? Take one hour above and beyond what you would normally do. And here's what you can do in that hour. This one, this one has time sensitive. Between now and Tuesday night, can you pray for us as elders and directors as we're seeking God about this building, post-COVID? Folks, we need wisdom. We need faith. We need vision. We need unity. And we'd really value your prayers. You can pray and say, God, please speak. If you have a certain bias towards one meeting or two meeting, that's your opportunity to get your vote in. You pray. And say, God, I really want one meeting, so can you make that happen? Or I want two meetings, can you make that happen? And then you let God sort it out. Wisdom, faith, vision, unity amongst us as leaders and as a church. In that hour, can you take some time to reflect and say, how am I being obedient to the Holy Spirit? Is the Holy Spirit asking me to do something? Is the Holy Spirit leading me to do something? Has my call been tested and what have I done? Maybe I've given up. Maybe I've put something on the back burner. When oppositions come, 
How do I respond to spiritual battles? Am I going to give up or am I going to continue to pray and worship and be obedient? And what do I do with Jesus? You might actually need two hours on some of these ones. Am I going to embrace following Jesus? Am I going to reject Jesus? Am I going to just keep putting it off? These are all things that can just get pushed because we get busy and life just kind of rolls on. And I'm just encouraging us, folks, we've got to make some decisions to carve out some time to spend with God. And I know we're all busy, but folks, we can make some good decisions every day, every week, to say no to some things, to say yes to some time with God in his word, praying. Oh, I missed the message from Mark last week. I'm going to make some time this week. I'm going to listen to the message from last week. Folks, those are all ways, okay, to help us in our battle, for us to put on the armor of God and for us to obey him. Let's stand together. I just want to pray. And we'll worship one more time. Father in heaven, I want to thank you for every person here right now. I thank you for every person listening to this message online. God, we thank you for your word that even though it's 2,000 years later, it's alive. It's your spirit. We can learn and apply. And so God, I pray for every person here this morning, God. This week, I pray that you would help us carve out time to be with you and say, God, what are you saying? Am I being obedient? Lord, am I aware of what's going on? Lord, make me aware. God, what battle am I in? God, has the call been tested? Maybe I've backed off. Maybe I've stopped. Maybe I'm just kind of cruising through life. God, get a hold of our lives, Lord. Give us purpose, Lord. Help us to hear your voice and be obedient. God, I pray, Lord, give us a hunger, Lord, as we say no to an hour of this, Lord, and we say an hour to you, Lord, may that grow. And oh, I want to actually spend more time with God. Oh, God, how can I live without having time with you? God, would you create that in us and as a church, Lord, we pray for your glory and for the good of those around us, we ask in Jesus' name, amen.